Tisha Schuler, and you've joined me on the Energy Thinks podcast for a special edition today. As uh, you regular listeners know, I am working on my next book, which is about how aspirational oil and gas companies can translate those aspirations into action. And today I want to uh, run one of my core ideas by you. So this will be a short edition, but I will be thinking out loud with you and I would love for you to send me your feedback. So here's what's happening in my world and what I'm thinking about. With Russia's recent invasion of Ukraine, the world is thinking about energy a lot differently. And as you know, if you read my weekly, both of these things are true. I'm thinking a lot about how the industry is thinking about this moment. It seems like there is an opportunity for, uh, as many people say, the pendulum to swing back from conversations about energy being dominated by climate to conversations about energy being dominated about things like abundant supply, reliable producers, good actors. And of course, here in North America, um, it lends itself to a conversation about do we really want to restrict domestic production of oil, of gas? Do we really want to restrict the building of pipelines that helps us move oil and gas to export markets? And do we really want to limit building facilities like LNG facilities that will help transform global geopolitics as we know it? So. I think these conversations are really important and timely, and I embrace the idea that we're now having them as a society. That said, I do not think this spells doom for those who do prioritize climate. And what I want to run by you is this idea of whether oil and gas companies and leaders need to stay on the energy transition trajectory. So what about those of you who don't think that we do? And I, there's not many of you who regularly listen to this podcast, but there are a few of you. And for those of you who are oil and gas employees or supporters who fully embrace industry's leadership and the energy transition, I invite you to think about your skeptical colleagues, those who would prefer that we start having conversations about energy security, abundance, affordability, and we table the energy transition or climate priority conversation. So here's what I'm thinking about. The reason that we as an oil and gas industry should continue our work, even at this moment on energy transition leadership, is that we are all part of a directional change. The train is moving in a direction to have a society and stakeholders and investors and regulators and financial community that increasingly are going to prioritize addressing climate and reducing emissions and probably many other things uh, around ESG strategy. Now, I think that this change is directional because there's just too much uh, indicative structural changes, the most notable being that investors have really felt that they have to prioritize this topic, even during COVID, even during the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Another reason is that public sentiment continues to put a high priority 
particularly when they perceive a low cost on addressing climate. And there's lots of reasons for that, but there does not seem to be a big shift where your average soccer mom is going to not uh, prioritize climate. But the really big structural change I see underway is the generational change. And if you follow my works, you, you know that millennials will dominate the population between now and 2050. And the interest in and concern about climate change among millennials is just dramatically different. Millennials are now 41 this year, the oldest millennials. And I do not foresee a future where both parties and decision makers in investment, banks, finance, regulatory elected officials are not millennials with a view to prioritizing climate change, even if that prioritization is a little more balanced. So I'm thinking that a lot of the cases I've made to skeptical oil and gas executives about why it's important to address climate in a straightforward manner and prioritize a leadership position in climate. I don't think any of those directional indicators have gone anywhere. And so even if you don't like this idea, I think we can all agree that the macro risks of being on the sidelines or being sidelined by the conversations is uh, compelling. Now, what I do want to acknowledge, and I'm going to press my train metaphor here, is that it is reasonable to identify that the pendulum has swung. So within this big directional shift on the train, there is a pendulum and the pendulum does swing. And we are having a moment where the pendulum is swinging back. And I think rightfully so, where people around the world are prioritizing the source of their energy, the reliability, the affordability, and looking to nations like the US and Canada for oil and natural gas supply is now not only is it people are receptive to it, but it's actually becoming popular, <laughs> even in liberal circles, because the virtue of, of undermining Russia's dominant position in the world, in some markets, is a higher virtue than the concerns about climate. So I enjoy this pendulum correction, and I embrace audience members and my colleagues and friends who are passionate that this pendulum swing should be permanent. Yet I think it is a pendulum on a train that is still moving in one direction. So I would love to know what you think about that. And I would love to know if my skeptical colleagues are persuaded by this idea. And if that would make you more inclined to embark upon this work of leading the energy transition. As many of you know, my passion for the oil and gas industry runs deep. My certainty that with our leadership, changes to climate are addressed faster, better, cheaper, more efficiently with smaller environmental footprint. And so I not only embrace the need to address decarbonization, I embrace the idea that the oil and gas industry should lead that charge. Balancing that now with the real world priorities around energy security, affordability, abundance. Uh, these are things 
that you know I have prioritized for a long time in the context of developing economies and energy diplomacy. I love it that we're having a conversation about these things. And I think it creates a moment where oil and gas industry leaders can and should say, yes, we can do both. We can produce the best, cleanest uh, oil and gas in the United States and Canada, and we can build the infrastructure to export it around the world. And we can do so for the decades that it's going to be required. And we can do it while we continuously reduce our emissions footprint and work toward a zero carbon energy future. So I look forward to your thoughts on this idea. I'm going to also include some tidbits on this in an upcoming Both of These Things Are True. So you can check that out at energythinks.com. You can subscribe so you get all my emails. And as always, I would like to sign off thanking Adon Rubio, Lindsay Slaughter, and Michael Tanner for all the help that they provide in making the Energy Thinks podcast possible. And I would like to wish you and yours happiness, prosperity, and good health. This is Tisha Schuler with Adamantine Energy. Thank you.